welcome to the Audible Ecstasy Podcast. Each week we sit around and discuss the music from our past. Sometimes we agree. I call it iconic. It's a 10. That riff is un- it's incredible. Clearly a 10. This is one of the most iconic songs of the 80s. Um, iconic from start to finish. And sometimes we disagree. The song sounds like something you might hear at your aunt's funeral. The absolute worst lyric ever. It's like stuffing the sock in your pants and you got nothing else to tell me. Thank you for listening and enjoy the show. All right, guys, we are back with another Audible Ecstasy podcast. And this week, it is my pick. We've gone yes, back sir. to the 1981 album by Rush, Moving Pictures. At the dismay of Chris. You guys ready to do this? <laughs> I will apologize for anything Chris says on this podcast today. Yeah, yeah, we, yeah, this for, was a, uh, a uh, supposedly, I'm still not 100% sure Anthony just didn't send us an email, but but uh, this was a, 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 a request. listener uh, request. Or listener, so, sorry. Yeah. Do you remember the guy's name? I think His name was Tom. Tom. I, it was Tom. Tom. I can't remember. I'm sure going to say the last name anyway. But... <laughs> Tom, thank you. This is a, a great album, and we looked. I yep. look forward to doing this. I know that it, it's an acquired taste. Absolutely, apologies we'll talk in about advance, that later. Tom. Oh my God, that's not a good sign, Tom. <laughs> Nonetheless, <laughs> all right, boys, y'all ready to roll? Yes, Anthony. Do you have? I know you've got something. Words for this. of What's wisdom, your... my friend. Uh, how's this one sound? Living in the limelight, the universal dream. It's the Audible Ecstasy podcast. It's Love very it. good. Perfect. Yes. Perfect. Nice. All right. Well, let's roll this thing on. It is the first track, Tom Sawyer. Yes, sir. A Monday warrior, mean, mean stride. Today's Tom Sawyer, mean, mean pride. You know, it's hard to pick a point in the song that you want to play, but I had to get that iconic intro because as soon as that uh-huh. that synth hits, you know exactly what you're getting ready to hear. And my notes clearly stated from the first note, this song had me hooked all the way back to my childhood days. And I'm only sure that uh, Rush must hate playing this song all these years because <laughs> probably. it's probably their most one of their most commercial songs out there. And I get it. But the fan appeal is there, and they must have had to endure this for many, many years. And the kicker is, for the fair-weathered fan, this is a song for them, too, because this is probably what got them into Rush. Um, I mean, it's instantly recognizable, and it is a gateway drug to the world of prog rock. Everything about this song works for me. I can't get enough of this song. This is Rush Perfection. This is a 10. Yes, sir. Chris, what did you think about Tom Sawyer? Well, let's start by saying I think this song has some pop culture status to it. I don't know if you guys watch uh, The Goldbergs, the TV show, but there's a whole <laughs> episode that. centered around this song, basically. Really? So, yeah, there is uh, the, uh, well, I'm not going to get into the episode, but basically uh, the daughter of the of this show, she starts a, uh, like a rock band, and which is, it's inspired because of this song, basically. But, uh, so, okay, so there's that. Uh, the song itself musically is fantastic. It's very well put together. Uh, as far as uh, the, the song itself, it rocks. Getty's voice, while an acquired taste, I think sounds really good on this song. Uh, the real question for me is, is it iconic? And it is. I, I went back and forth with this because <laughs> I think, okay, I looked at the set list FM and I think it's fairly accurate because I got a feeling the Rush fans really get into this stuff. But... Uh, Okay, I think Jim, we've lost Jimmy. <laughs> you there, Jimmy? I'm here. Can you hear oh, okay. me? Okay. Well, you put your hands up. I thought you lost the audio. Oh, something. no, no. We're good. We're good. I'm here, brother. I think he's lost his household on the other side over there. That's exactly what happened. Thank you, Anthony. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm going to keep going. Sorry. You're <laughs> rocking on, man. No, this stuff happens. It's cool. It's Sunday afternoon. I get it. Let's do this. I got you. Okay. So anyway, uh, 
it's number six for them in concert all time, which seems ridiculously low for me, but I realized they were probably around a decade before this thing hit, and I wasn't familiar with the song. It's funny, the number one song is a drum solo. But uh, Doesn't surprise that me, said, right? Spotify has this as the most streamed song by Country Mile. Uh, it, it's like over 200 and see what I can't remember. Yeah. Over 210 million streams. They didn't have wow. anything over a hundred million besides that, uh, for that. And wow. the pop culture status of the song, I agree guys, it's a 10 it's, it's, uh, and it's musically flawless. Great. Quite honestly. Yeah, so yeah, I, I got to give it a 10 as well. Awesome. Anthony, what'd you think about Tom Sawyer, sir? It's a zero. Uh, no, uh, <laughs> with a one in front of it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go into song facts first on this one. Sure. Uh, there's a little bit on each one of these songs this time. Uh, I said in the December 85 Rush Backstage Club newsletter, drummer and lyricist Neil Peart said, Tom Sawyer was a collaboration between myself and Pi Dubois, an excellent lyricist who wrote the lyrics for Max Webster. His original lyrics were kind of a portrait of a modern-day rebel, a free-spirited individualist striding through the world wide-eyed and purposeful. I added the themes of reconciling the boy and man in myself and the difference between what people are and what others perceive them to be, namely me, I guess. And then frontman Getty Lee said the band hated this classic track when they first recorded it. He explained, I remember being disappointed in the studio thinking we really didn't capture the spirit of the song. We thought it was the worst song on the record at the time, but it all came together in the mix. Sometimes you don't have the objectivity to know when you're doing your best work. And the last thing, Getty Lee, it says, Getty Lee told the Plain Dealer newspaper the band never foresaw the success of the song. He said, the one song that we have to play for the rest of our lives. When we wrote it, we had no idea that it would touch such a nerve with people. In many ways, it's the quintessential Rush song. So I thought all that was pretty interesting. So, yeah, um, it's valid points for sure. Very valid. And... My, my my spiel is uh, this song, you know, has almost become a song that is beyond iconic in a lot of ways. I mean, who doesn't know this song that loves and enjoys classic rock? From that nasty blast that opens the song to the very last chord, this is one amazing piece of music. It is a great lead-in song, one of the best we've featured, and it works from start to finish. And I also love the way the band sounds, the guitar, the drums. Getty Lee on vocals is flawless. Um, this one is a 10. It's perfection, guys. So I, I don't think anybody would this, argue that. This may be our first 310 song of the year. I'm not sure. I Have we all agreed on right. 10s? I think it is I, a first. I think time. I screwed it up last week for us. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> hey, 10s are supposed to be hard to come by, but I mean, they I are. think it's hard to deny Absolutely. This yeah, absolutely. It kind of defines know. the genre, quite honestly, this this song does. so. Well, I'm <laughs> saying, like, I think it's almost, nice. it's one of those things like, Star Wars, as Star Wars has become so popular that it's almost not the creator's stuff anymore. It's almost belongs to the popularity. And that's kind of where I think Tom Sawyer is sort of that way too. It's, it's almost one of those songs where it belongs in the, in the collective of the, of everybody. Right. Hey, Rush doesn't own it anymore because of that reason. So, but yeah. Yeah. Nonetheless, an amazing, amazing song. All right. Well, let's move this to track number two. It's called Red Barchetta. So, Red Barchetta, I mean, obviously, you're following up one of the greatest Rush songs of all time, at least in my ears. And although I do appreciate the guitar in this, it actually, I'm talking like it's a bad, this is not a bad song. This is a very good song by all means of the word. I felt like this one holds your ear nicely, doesn't have that upbeat 
sound that Tom Sawyer did. Didn't have that harder, aggressive sound. This is more of your progressive sound for sure on this one. Um, I felt like it is absolutely a solid follow-up to Tom Sawyer, but it's not as good. This is going to be part of a sandwich here, if you guys know what I'm saying. We're getting ready to hear a couple of good songs and then another fantastic one. So on uh, Red Barchetta, I'm at a six and a half. I think it's somewhere between very wow. good and great. And, um, and it's absolutely, a, it's a fantastic song. I enjoy it. I just, uh, it's kind of where I see it at. Um, Chris, what do you think about Red Barchetta? You know, honestly, uh, this one really grew on me over the week, guys. I think musically, it's a very solid song. The riffs are catchy. And I'm going to say this a lot tonight. That drummer is on point. Oh, no uh, I realize now Nail why the world mourned so much when this guy passed away last year. Was it last year? It was, right? I think it was two years ago. I think it was, was it two years ago. I mean, they made a big deal 20? of it on, yeah. on XM back in the day. But uh, I can see why now. That I mean, he is a tremendous drummer. I, there's no question about that. The whole, you know, I shouldn't just say the drummer because I think the whole rhythm, rhythm section for Rush is, is fantastic. Yeah. Uh, the only knock on this song really in my eyes is the chorus doesn't really grab you like Tom Sawyer's did. This right. is obviously going to be a step down from Tom Sawyer, but I, th- I still think it's a great song. So I gave it a seven overall. Okay. Hey, fair enough. Anthony, how'd you fare Red Barchetta? Well, you both are wrong. But anyways, um, <laughs> songfacts.com. This was inspired by the story, A Nice Morning Drive, written by Richard S. Foster. And I looked for it online this week to read it, but I couldn't find it anywhere, so maybe unpublished. But anyways, uh, this song, um, I always enjoyed this song, but I fell in love with it a lot more this week when I sat down and read the lyrics. Apple Music has the lyrics that'll play while you're listening to music. And it is just cool to see a song that's basically a musical short story. And I love that. I would love to see this song turn into a short film because it'd be incredible. Um, beyond that, the song, like so many by Rush, just work. Getty sounds great. Love the bits of bass, the drums, the keyboards, the guitars are all seamless. Man, this is a nine for me. It's an outstanding song. I really, really love this song. So a big fan of some four we came on this this week. So so I dropped That's a nine. Fantastic. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Hey, fair enough, man. All right, we'll move this up to track number three. It's called YYZ. Hit it, Chris. guys for the uninitiated yyz is an is an instrumental track by rush and it is a fantastic journey through incredible talent among a guitar player a bass player and a drummer the song has been duplicated by many bands this is a progressive staple most namely dream theater who is one of my favorite bands out there and honestly dream theater is probably the reason why i went back and listened to more rush because they do add a little bit more of a metal sound that i do appreciate but it goes back to the forefathers and, and rush are the forefathers when it comes to this progressive rock them and yes and uh, god king crimson bands like that from the 70s that absolutely created stellar music when it comes to making it hu- sound huge with so few instruments i love this song um i always have and it um i know it's gonna be different between you guys but for me i think this is an excellent track I think it's it's a step up from Red Barchetta only because the, musici- the, the musicianship in this one is just outstanding. Um, I'm at an eight, and that's how I heard it. Chris, what would you think about YYZ? Well, you guys know how much I love instrumental songs. Yeah, I can't wait for this. <laughs> it's not really my bag. Uh, but that said, uh, this song instrumentally is pretty good. It meanders around a lot, a little too much to my liking. 
that said, if you strip it down and listen to each instrument, it's, you know, individually, it's solid. These guys are good musicians. There's no question about that. There's a few sound effects in there I don't care for, but uh, and it does meander. I, I'm I'm between good and very good. I gave it a five and a half. Wow. Hey, fair enough. I, I mean, at least it wasn't know, like an instrument. I'm not going to love his song. It's, just all it's not yours. Yeah, I know. I know. And I, know. It, I think between good and very good is actually pretty high for that's high marks for, for you on a song. This. Absolutely, like absolutely. Anthony, what did you think about YYZ? Uh, let's get a little bit of song facts on this one. YYZ is the transmitter code for Toronto's Lester B. Pearson International Airport. So that was kind of yeah. interesting. And the intro to the song is Morse code in YYZ. So that's YYZ. The crashing noise oh you God, hear between awesome. the breaks of the guitar solo is the sound of wind chimes tied to a two by four slapped against the wood table. And the band confirmed that later on. That is true. And Geddes Lee's bass performance on this song has been praised by many websites and magazines as one of the best in rock history. Uh, some fans believe his bass playing is even better when he's not singing. So uh, I thought that was pretty great. And my spiel is, uh, you know, killer instrumental song. I think it's one of the best a rock band has ever released. It really showcases the talent of all three of these guys. And if you really want to hear how great this band is, just listen to the song. The drums are next level. The guitar is beautifully woven throughout. The keyboards flow seamlessly. And the bass even gets a few moments to shine. It's another nine for me, guys. This is an outstanding song, man. I really like this one a lot, too. Awesome, so. man. Awesome. Yeah. That's a great they're fact a, you found. We, did, we didn't address it the, this at the beginning, but there, there are three guys in this band. Is There's only right? three guys, man. Yeah. Wow. It's, uh, yeah, Getty Lee, the, the bass bassist, player. And Neil the keyboard Parrott, player, too, right? And Alex Leafman. Yeah, Getty played bass and keyboard at the same time. Okay. Yeah. Crazy. Dude, they are absolutely super talented. It's one of those. It's it's a it's a nerdy musicians band. If if you're if you're a musician, you're gonna probably have some love for these guys. And if you're a uh, progressive rock fan, you're gonna have love for these guys. Or if you're um, just a nerd like me, you're gonna love them. Yeah, too, it's, so. that's me. I'm I'm a I'm a musician nerd. I, I love <laughs> anything guitar related, obviously. But uh, Man, yeah, I love so anybody. Three guys. You got Geddy Lee and Neil Peart, and who's the other one? Alex Leifson. Uh, Lifeson or Leifson? Lifeson. I think it's Lifeson. He, plays he is a guitar, guitar. guitarist extraordinaire. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. He's got some great riffs on this album. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Let's move this up to track number four. It's called Limelight. Basically, this is the end of side one. And as I said earlier, or alluded to, this is the sandwich on this record right here. We started out with perfection. We're going to end with something darn near perfection. Uh, I would dare say the limelight riff in the 80s would have absolutely gone head to head with the Led Zeppelin riff, uh, Stairway to Heaven, for guitar players and guitar stores, because that's what everybody wanted to learn how to play back then. And, um, lyrically fantastic it's i think they were actually starting to see some fame possibly when they wrote this lyrics i hope you found something anthony because i have heard the story that that's why they wrote the song because of something about being famous uh they i guess they achieved some sort of fame as they prior to releasing this and they was just talking about it's not as great as you think it is i'm in the limelight there the spotlight's always on us we can't get away from it and i think his vocals are outstanding on this song once again it's an acquired taste vocally, but I think his vocals are darn yeah, near perfection on this vocals. song. Um, for me, 
Limelight is absolutely a highlight of this record. I'm at a 9.5. It may not be perfection, but it's real, real close. Chris, what did you think about Limelight? It's interesting you compare this to Stairway to Heaven. I'm not sure I'd go that far as far as... Well, uh, for a guitar player, think of the, the guitar yeah, store player, the Stairway to Heaven is the forbidden riff. You're not supposed to play it in yes. there. Well, now, you know, in the 80s, everybody wanted to learn how to play Limelight. In the 70s, it was Stairway to Heaven. And it's what yeah. people play to this day. It's just you something showing your talent. A bit much on that, but <laughs> I'll allow it. Look it hey, up. Whatever. I mean, you know, I just, I'm just telling <laughs> you what I know from the... <laughs> yeah, it's not Stairway. That said, it is my favorite song on this album. I think the riffs are fantastic. They flow very well on this song. Uh, I kind of like the fact there's not a whole lot of keyboard in this one. It's more just straight up rock and roll as far as that goes. Chorus is extremely catchy. Getty's vocals are perfect for this song. Uh, Rhythm section crushes it. Drums in particular. Neil sounds fantastic with the drumming on this song. Uh, Yeah, it's my favorite song. I might give it a nine. I think it's outstanding. Awesome. But I don't think it's iconic. I mean, Tom Sawyer's iconic. No, I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm with you. Anthony, what do you think about Limelight? Well, you guys are almost right. So, anyways, <laughs> um, songfacts.com. The phrase in the limelight means the center of attention. In the early days of theater, a limelight was a device used to brightly illuminate the front of a stage, which put the main performer in a spotlight. The light was made by focusing a flame at a cylinder filled with lime that was projected through a lens. Lighting technicians had to be created before electricity. That was kind of cool the way that they would actually wow. light the stage back in for electricity. So um, and this gets back to what Jimmy was saying about why they made this song. Uh, lead singer and bass player Getty Lee, duh. Limelight was probably more of Neil's song than a lot of the songs on that album in the sense that his feelings about being in the limelight and his difficulty with coming to grips with fame and autograph seekers and a sudden lack of privacy and sudden demands on his time, he was having a very difficult time dealing with. He said, I mean, we all were, but I think he was having the most difficulty of the three of us adjusting, in the sense that I think he's more sensitive to more things than Alex and I are. It's harder for him to deal with those interruptions and on us personal space and his desire to be alone. So that's kind of where they, they put it together. And I've heard that about Neil Pert too, being a very... Kind of reclusive Recluse. guy. Once, yeah, once really. he was off the road, he was pretty much home. He didn't, he didn't bug him. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, my thoughts are this. How do you follow up YYZ? You dive right into another song that is huge on classic rock radio. I knew this song before I even became a Rush fan. It was that big. It's another song where the band really shows their full potential. It works from start to finish. The drums, the guitars, the vocals. Zero flaws. This is another song that is just perfection in my mind. It's a 10. Easy perfection, man. There are no flaws at all in this it's, song. I'm it's not you here, man. I get it. I get it. I, uh, I'll yeah, be honest with you guys. I was, I was trying to be a little bit... Uh, these two, I'm with you. Tom Sawyer in this song, it's hard for me to be as judgmental because I think they're absolute staples. I mean, but, and the uh, staples in Rush's diet. Yeah, I mean, they've absolutely. been huge. You, you know these songs. All right, let's flip aside over. It's track number five. It's a two-parter, and it's called The Camera Eye, also known as New York and London. So hit it. Side five will absolutely is, is you're going to go on a journey, and this is an absolutely progressive rock song. It's about eleven and a half minutes long, and even for someone like myself, 
This is a tough one to get through. I think it's a little long for what it is. I think they should divide this up into three songs because there's a couple of transition in this one. They could have really broken this one up. However, I'm not saying it's a bad song. I still think it's good. I, um, I just felt like it could have been done a little better because they, because part three is the next song we listen to this whole thing, witch hunt. They could have done that. They could have broke that down. Was witch hunt part three to this song? Mm -hmm, It is part three. It's called fear. You got, it's what it says, witch hunt part three. And it says I thought fear. it was like a fear trilogy or something. Yeah, going well, maybe. I don't know. I'm assuming it's part three of this because you got like New that. York is part one, London's part two, and then you got fear part three. See, I thought it was like uh, there was like an album that had a fear part one, then an album that had a fear part two. and something oh, like You that. listen to the same. Bring up the nerd fest and just fears? get on this song. I don't, remember, <laughs> I don't remember off the top of my head yet, but uh, right. I, it seemed like I read that somewhere. It was part I don't know what the hell you guys are talking about. <laughs> All right. Well, nonetheless, Rush. I think Man, the look song at Rush's albums from the seventies. There's like an album that's like twenty minutes long. A song twenty minutes long is broken into five parts, which is yeah. really cool. It's a great song. But uh, anyways, go on, Jimmy. Gotcha. No. Uh, anyway, um, it's um, to me, it's just good. It's nothing outside of good. You know, I appreciate the musicianship in it. That's about it. Uh, it doesn't. I, I'll be honest with you. I can skip this song. I'm at a five. Chris, what do you think about? Is this the flush. Chris's Chris's Flush flush of the the Week. I knew it. I'll take that one. It's my lowest rated one of the night. What's my lowest rated one of the night, too? Uh, Fair enough. Okay. Yeah, guys, it's not a bad song. Uh, I actually have the exact same score you have, Jimmy. It's good for five for me. Uh, It's long. Uh, You know, there's a song that I always use as my uh, go-to when when I hear songs like this. It's uh, Billy Joel's Scenes from an Italian Restaurant because it goes on. I love that song. Don't get me wrong. That's not a flush. But... It's very long, and it takes a lot of turns. It's almost like a, a its own saga, that song is. I think they even <laughs> made a Broadway play out of that song. Probably could. So anytime I hear a song that's over 10 minutes long and goes through all these... Apparently, from the way you guys are talking, there's like a trilogy out there I'm not even aware of. I think so. I think that so. That this is a part of. Don't quote Anthony me was it. actually right. There is... It is... Fear is not part three to this, so you're right, Anthony. There, it was on previous albums. They're it's different like, titled songs, though. Yeah. yeah. Well, anyway... Uh, it's not a bad song, but it goes on too long. It meanders a little too much. Uh, it's like a jam band kind of song. I mean, it's like, that's, that's what this is made for. I'm sure they jam for, this is a bathroom break song in concert for me. I'm just going to be honest. <laughs> if I go see these guys, guys in concert, this would be one. To, okay. If I'm looking at set list FM on my phone, like now's a good time to hit the John. Uh, that said, <laughs> it, it's, it's a good song. Not much more than that. There's no discernible chorus that grabs you and gets your attention. Right. Uh, five yeah excellent anthony what do you think about this duplex of just tunage <laughs> songfacts.com on this and by the way both of you are wrong again so anyways it's okay songfacts.com i'm thinking if if we are similar and you're always high you're probably one wrong but go ahead <laughs> this song highlights the culture differences between the cities of new york and london with new york grim-faced and forbidding and london wistful and weathered at 10 minutes and 56 seconds, this is the last song Rush recorded that was over 10 minutes long. And, J- Jimmy, I like this one. Dream Theater played this song at all their Toronto, Canada shows. Hmm. Yeah. So I thought that was pretty They're cool. They're huge Rush fans, dude. Yeah. Um, my, my spiel says, um, this song is a bit of a head scratcher when it starts with the keyboards and the stuff mixed in. You're not sure what to make of it. But throughout that intro, it feels like this song is starting to build towards something. And when we finally dive into the heart of the song, we are treated with that rush sound we know and love. This is a solid tune from start to finish. Not as grand as the ones that came before it on this album, but I really like it. Once the band gets the shine, they really shine, like they do on so many other songs. My only real knock against it is it leans heavily into the keyboards, and I think that will date it as the time goes on. But I'm still in, sitting between great and excellent. I put 7.5 for me on this one. So, All right. Fair enough. Let's move this up to track number six. It's called Witch Hunt.
So Witch Hunt, and uh, if you guys remember Miss Bradley, we all had to write a report on this song. Really? <laughs> yes, we did. That's Rest funny. in peace, Miss Bradley. This is probably the reason why I give this song as a, high as I'm giving it. Yeah, I knew she was a Rush fan. I don't remember having to write, write a report This on was this the song. song that we had to dissect in high school. This is it. It is crazy. <laughs> oh, my God. Anyway, it, it did bring back memories, a lot of memories of uh, of high school and in 12th grade, but uh, yeah, you know, this song, it has a place in my heart, and although it is a little slower, it does progress slightly. Um, I do like the keyboards in this. I'm not a huge keyboard guy on this one. I think it it brings this a little bit of life to it. it it's, you know, obviously this is a, uh, it can be a tough listen. I get it, Chris. It, sure, it certainly can be because it's not as peppy and fast-paced as the other side of the album, if you will. Um, but even with that being said, I'm at a six. I still think it's a very good song. I don't, I don't see it much better than that. And I'm probably being a little lenient because I'm Bradley, <laughs> but I still think it's very good. You know, it's, I could listen to this again. I wouldn't skip this one, but the other one I would skip. Chris, what do you think about Witch Hunt? You know, there's a creepy kind of carnival sound at the beginning of this. It goes on about a minute. We, we didn't grab that. I, I put. I let Jimmy pick the sound clips on this thing, so I kind of yeah. well went where he said, so which I get why you know, hey, it's, but uh, that would have been kind of cool to grab that because I think it kind of set a uh, an interesting undertone for this song. Uh, right. There's a really good groove throughout the song. It's just yeah. you know that kind of just kind of like kind of like get into. Yeah. Uh, it's a down tuned song, which is from what I can tell, fairly rare for these guys. I don't, I don't hear them down-tuned too much. It's maybe the only down-tuned song on this album. Right. Uh, which, in turn, kind of makes Getty sound a little down-tuned when he sings on this song. Uh, there's a lot of synthesizer in it. Uh, I'm not really a huge fan of that, if I'm being honest. I think the drummer sounds great again. I think Neil just crushed it on this song. Uh, I'm at five and a half. I think it's between good and very good. Uh, that said... Uh, I don't know. Hearing it back, I might I might feel a little low on that, but I, but I am gonna just stick with what I wrote because I've got okay. an overall score that's fairly accurate. So, all right, Anthony, what did you think about Witch Hunt? Uh, song facts: the song was recorded the same night that John Lennon was shot in New York. It said the band was right in the middle of laying down the tune when they heard the news. So I thought that was kind of interesting. Wow, uh, yeah, that's very interesting, actually. Yeah, yeah, crazy. so. You know, I like the intro. It sounds like a witch hunt of some sort. It's a really cool intro. Yeah, and, those voices. And even though they lean heavy into the keyboards, it isn't a bad thing. It really works on this song. Uh, I love the guitar that comes in around the one-minute mark, and Getty's voice over the guitar is just haunting. Um, love the drums sprinkled throughout. Digging this one. It's an eight. Excellent tune. I think it's probably a forgotten Rush gem in my mind. Sounds like one of those songs a lot of fans probably would would champion, you know, if they heard it often enough. Right. But I think those voices at the start, according to Song Facts, was I think they went outside and were doing stuff like screaming and stuff on a cold night oh, wow. or something like something so like I, that and recording really stuff. Something to that effect. I read that in Song Facts too, but I didn't write it down, but something like that. So yeah. It's an eight for me. Cool, man. Cool. All right, well let's finish this side of the record up. Last song. It's called Vital Signs, Chris. So this one's definitely a headphone song. You've got to listen to this one on headphones to hear everything that's going on. Um, this is kind of one of those, uh, the way this record ends, I didn't know what was going to go on here. And this song does not fit the rest of the record. 
It almost sounds like they recorded a song by the police. I'll just be God, honest with you. Still in my notes. And then, I knew you were going to say it. I knew you were going to say it. And then, but. <laughs> I'm sure Anthony did, had in his notes too. They did make it their own for sure. Um, however, I'm not a huge fan of the, the reggae style when it comes to Rush. It's a good song and it's definitely, there are they can play anything they want. Let's face it. They're, they're some of the most talented musicians ever to live and they can play whatever they want to. It just doesn't do anything for me, and I appreciate what it is. And because of that, I'm somewhere between good and very good, and nothing more than that. I think it's a five-and-a-half song, and I think, you know, maybe they'd gone to a little bit darker song at the end of this or because it would have fit in nicely because it does not fit in with the previous two songs at all or any song on the first side of the record. So I'm at a five-and-a-half. I'm still giving them props. You know, that's how I felt. Chris, what do you think about uh, Vital Signs? You know, it's interesting that uh... – the the listener who asked us to review this album came to us from the uh, synchronicity review because this feels like it came right off of synchronicity. Yeah, that's, true. that's exactly what I thought. First thing I heard on this song was. But what came first? Well, this I came have. first, but I'm just saying. I'm <laughs> not I'm trying saying, to say that's they, all I'm saying. I'm not saying they that's stole the song. I'm, I'm just saying there's a very similar vibe to it. Uh, that's all I'm saying. No, yeah, I'm not trying to pretend like Rush stole the song at all. I, I don't think that. But it do it does have a police vibe. He doesn't sound like Sting, but he sounds. Hey, this he album sounds came great. out before the Police Synchronicity album. Just so you guys know. Yeah, we I know. thought Synchronicity, synchronicity nah, was, was eighty three. This was eighty one. That was eighty three. Eighty three for Synchronicity. Yeah. Now, but Police had elements of reggae throughout their discography, yeah. so yeah. you got to keep that in mind. I, I don't think they stole this from them. I'm, I'm not. I don't think either one stole from each other. I, I, I don't get that. Uh, that said, I mean, I, I do love this song. I think it's my sleeper of the night. Wow. I, I, I like the fact that it's not like digital, Preach. you know, a bunch of, <laughs> you know, great, a man. bunch of synthesizers or anything. This is just straight rock, uh, with that reggae feel to it that the police kind of have introduced. Us Famous to for years. Right. Yeah. I think it's a great way to close the album. I think Getty sounds fantastic. I think the percussion, percussion section is just fantastic on this song as well. I gave it an eight. That's a great, excellent way to close this album. Wow. Yeah, and that. it's my sleeper of the night. Anthony. So for the first time, songs? Jimmy's wrong and Chris is right. Okay. That's <laughs> weird. Weird. First yeah. time. I don't know if it's the first time. Uh, anyway, song facts. It's kind of interesting. You guys talking about being a little bit different. Um, vocalist Getty Lee recalled to the plane dealer in 2011. He said, that was a hoot to write. We wrote it in about five minutes in the studio. We just put it together quickly, had a lot of fun doing it. It's still fun to play. It's the quirkier side of Rush's sound. And I think there's always a need for that to give your sound diversity. So even they admit it being different sound for them. So that was kind of cool to read. Um, yeah, man, I like how this one starts. You know, right into it. it. makes you feel like you're uh, running a race or something. I thought it would be kind of cool to hear that maybe over a chase scene in a movie or something. be kind of neat. Um, and the band, once again, are on point. Getty's voice is smooth. Drums, keyboards. Guitar works seamlessly together. Zero complaints. It's an eight. Another excellent tune for me, man. So very good. Wow, yeah. fantastic closer. And you know, I, I was thinking about that. Remember, I was debating about this one a little bit. I'll get in my notes in a minute on that. But if the keyboards series of Rush or the Rock Rush, we should get Chris in on first. And he's mentioned a few times in his set podcast episode that uh, he likes that harder rock rocker sound, which would be more of their '70s sound than their '80s sound. So. You know, I've listened to some of the old 70s stuff. I think it's better than this for the most part. Yeah. I mean, I, I think some, I, I, I debated about that. Is this one to come in on because of Tom Sawyer yeah. and Limelight? I mean, we, we had a request for it, so I get it. And, yeah. it. and it definitely has the biggest hit they've ever had. Honestly, on too, so. yeah. I, the only other album I would have brought in, my choice would have been 2112, and he would have never. Yeah, that. Ever. You want to talk about some long songs or progressive that, songs. That 20 minute, long. five song, five, five part, yeah. 20 minute song, yeah, whatever. All right. <laughs> Let's wrap this album up together here. So my final summation of this record is, I think this record is a statement of time in the Rush discography. In my opinion, the first side of this record is one of the finest first sides of an album we've listened to and reviewed in our history. Um, granted, you know, we're talking almost two years, but you know, I think this is I'm sorry, one, two, three, four. Again? Say it again. I, I said this is one of the finest first sides of an album we have reviewed yeah, in our two yes, years agree with track that. one two three four are absolutely <laughs> i'm not gonna go there man stellar i think it's one of the greater you know i think it's one of the best songs yes, i think that the Boston second side we had like three tens and a nine or something going in so come on now it's not that good what 
Now that Boston album, the first four songs were all just so iconic. I didn't say it was the best. I said it's oh, okay. one of the one of the best yeah. we've ever. Yeah, it's not the best. By God, listen, Chris, dude, I'm sorry. you go. Metallica's ahead. first side's better than this. I just have so to call out hold BS off when I hear okay, it. Slow down. <laughs> Master of Puppets will absolutely trump this every time. All right. <laughs> Nonetheless, I do think that is the strong part of this album, and then the second half is the weak part in my ears. Um, my overall rating came out to seven point two, and honestly, I. I think that's a fair rating. I think this should fall in the great category because it is a great record. Um, ideally, I think the only reason why it's as high as it is is because of Tom Sawyer and Limelight, and I get that. You take those two songs off, this album is going to be less than stellar. It's probably going to come out around a five-point something, maybe a six. So, yeah, it's still it still turned out to be very good. I think it's well worth anybody's listen. If you're a fan of progressive rock, dive into this head first. If you're a fan of keyboard rock, which I'm not, dive into this one. And if you're a fan of good drums, holy crap, this is one of the greatest drummers that ever lived. And it absolutely will teach you a lesson. Well worth our time, and I'm glad I'm glad we had a listener that wanted to listen to it, and I'm glad we finally touched on some Rush. Chris, what's your final thoughts on this record? Yeah, it was an interesting listen this week, and I'm glad it took us two weeks to listen to this one. Because uh, it it changed over time for me. It, it took me several listens to really appreciate this. I think for what it is, you know, Anthony, I asked you a while back. I was like, "What's what would you consider this?" And you said, "Digital prog rock," and that nails what it is. I mean, I, like I I wasn't sure if I'd call this rock, but it is definitely what you just said. Uh, and that you know, I was like, it was, it was a <laughs> I've never heard three more succinct words to describe a band, and that's what it is. Especially I think these guys, the when they're in the pocket, they crush it. I mean, Tom Sawyer, Limelight, for me, Vital Signs, Red Barchetta as well. Uh, examples of them at their best uh, and, and very much in the pocket. Not a whole lot of keyboard. I mean, a little bit in some of those songs. But, uh, you know, Getty's vocals on point. Neil's drumming. Uh, I guess Getty's best bass playing. The whole band, man. When they get in the pocket, they're fantastic. Uh, then the rest of it. Eh, you know, some of those longer songs with some of the weird sound effects. I don't know. That's not really my bag, but, but it's not bad either. Uh, as a matter of fact, I, I got this uh, vision, and I guess it was uh, maybe cam- either XYZ or camera. I can't remember. Uh, a point there. You guys remember watching Revenge of the Nerds when uh, <laughs> the the band's playing and they have like, they're up there with their keyboards doing all this stuff and it kind of like... <laughs> It's like a bunch of AV nerds geeking out on the high school talent show kind of thing. I get that vibe from them occasionally. I'm not going to lie. I don't think that's a bad thing, really. But I definitely get that vibe from them sometimes. And like you said, Jimmy, I think this is like music, like guitar nerd, music nerd kind of people really appreciate this music. And, and that's probably why that's the case. Uh, it's, it, a lot of it's that, that jamming and the synthesizer, stuff like that. I think Get- Getty's vocals... Uh, I know he's a polarizing figure. I actually have grown to appreciate his vocals. I think they're pretty good. Uh, I've I've never listened to these guys live. I, I'm curious how well he sounds live. I'm imagine it's pretty good since they have such a, a long following as far as that goes. But definitely, to me, the rhythm section is where these guys shine. Neil Peart, uh, one of the best drummers out there. Again, I can see why the world mourned when that guy passed because he absolutely crushes it a lot of times on this album. And I didn't realize Getty was a bass player because I think they play off each other really well. So that, that impressed me. Uh, I was a little higher than I expected when I rounded it up, and I'm going to keep it there. I was at 7.1. That's a little bit over great, and I think that's pretty fair for this album. Yeah, I, I actually grew to enjoy it over the weeks. So. That's good to hear. Impressive, man. man. Yeah. That's awesome. Anthony, what was your final assessment of this record? Well, um, I wrote that uh, I debated if this was the right one for us to dive into as our first Rush album. Because I wasn't sure if we should lean into into Hard Rock Rush or Digital Rush, which is the sound they would pursue throughout the 80s. I also wanted Chris's first Rush album to be something special, so that also made me question if this album was the right choice. I can think of several other ones by them that would be great choices as well. But after listening to this album the past few weeks and starting a deep dive into every single Rush album, like I told you, I'm up to like 1989 right now with Rush. I want to keep going too. I realized this was a great album to start with for someone who has never listened to Rush. Arguably, the first four songs on this album are the strongest four songs Rush has ever lined up back to back to back to back on any album. 
Plus, Tom Sawyer and Limelight are huge classic rock staples that everyone knows. They're both iconic songs. On top of that, you have Rush in their prime. Uh, what's not to love about that? So yes, I think this is a great album for a first-time Rush fan to listen to, and I'm glad we dove into it. I hope we can do one or two more albums in the future. Um, and I can easily recommend Moving Pictures to anyone listening to us or anyone wanting to start a Rush journey. Thumbs up. So that's kind of my final thoughts. So I hope we can dive into at least a 70s album at some point in time, just to give everybody a little bit of a taste of that too from Rush. So people are pretty cool. That's awesome. That's awesome. Guys, I'm glad y'all enjoyed this one this week. I didn't get my final rating either. Oh, uh, what was your overall? Yeah. (laughs) It's okay. You want to rush on? That's fine. Rush on. (laughs) Rush on. Um, uh, Mine was 8.78. Bumping it to a nine. No surprise there. So, uh, yeah. Outstanding album from start to finish for me personally. So. Cool. Yeah. Excellent. Cool. All right. So, Chris, is it your pick? You ready for the music? Oh, yeah, goodness. hit that thing. What's it going to do to us? And in this corner, weighing in at 165 pounds, it's the blues rock guru and the master of podcast production and the man who cannot stop the battery. It's Chris's pick. All right, guys. So, God, I was going to pick this a while back, and I didn't. Uh, it's interesting. There's a there's a show on HBO right now, which is I just recently read. It's their second most popular show of all time, uh, behind Game of Thrones, and uh, we we've been watching it, and it uh, this album was kind of highlighted on the episode a couple of weeks ago. Which kind of took me, kind of jogged my memory. I was like, you know, this is a great album. We need to review this. It's from 1987. Uh, the album is called "Kick" by the band the NXS. Oh yeah, and, uh, just listen to I'm that curious recently. to see. I think I know there's several hits on this, uh, mm-hmm. but I'm curious to see how like the whole album flows from beginning to end. It's actually one, pretty good. I listened to it recently. I heard yeah. another podcast talking about it one time. It's probably why, because it was it was heavily highlighted in that in that episode of that show. So yeah, wow. The, Surely you can't be serious. Podcast, really good podcast. Uh, I'll give those guys some props. They they dove into that album and they took it against another one. I forget which one it was, but I think it was George Michael. I don't know Faith. if I said the name. The show, the show is Euphoria. Is the name of the show? But, that's, yeah, so, but it actually yeah. did hold up pretty well, from what I remember. There's a few super pop songs, not for my taste, but uh, some really good songs on there too. Cool, man. Well, I look forward to revisiting this. I haven't listened to this one since the '80s, so this will be a, a yeah. different journey for me this week. Yeah. yeah, and you know Michael Hutchins, man, he was one of the, well, he was Great one of the front. biggest front men in the '80s. Honestly, it's a shame yeah. he, he died the way he did, but uh, yeah. it's a lot to talk there and dissect. So I think we we'll <laughs> enjoy getting into that one. Yeah, yeah that's a, that's a tough one to talk about. Anyway, Anthony, what do you got going on this week? I'm gonna post one of our reviews this week, Desperado from the Eagles. Um, trying to play a little recycling. Catch up. Eh? <laughs> I I haven't had a chance to really put some stuff together, and I was a little bit behind, and I finally got an episode put together this week, but. Um, yeah, so I thought, why not dive into Desperado? Give me a little window to work on some more. Yeah. I've got a few more in the can. Um, can also get my Patreon page a personal plug. <laughs> sure, go right ahead. Uh, because I actually, the scripts I write for this podcast, I'm actually putting over there too. So if anyone wants to read through my scripts, what I wrote, um, it's called Patreon Aville because my son, my thing's called Song Lines and Tan Lines Podcast. So playing off Margaritaville's word name. So. Just look up that and, uh, you know. So what, what do they get when they see your notes there? Is it like pictures of your notebook or what do we get in exact? Just yeah, uh, well, PDFs of the... Uh, well, for now, I've been putting my scripts I write for the song lines on there, scripts for this one. My books are on, some of my books are on there for a dollar. It's all for a dollar. Uh, I got some short stories there. And I found a way to record myself while I record my podcast. Oh, so nice. I want to start putting some live video of me recording. So you'll be able to see me warts and all as I record an episode with no music because I don't want to get copyright strikes. But yeah, so I've got well, a way well, to do I'm glad that, I so. asked because that's actually more than I realized you were putting out there, man. That's, that sounds like a pretty good, pretty good deal, yeah. honestly. Yeah. So, and I, Very just nice. a dollar. So, you know, yeah. I don't want to bust everybody's balls because everybody's got a freaking Patreon page these days and it's right. tough on everybody out there. So yeah, I just said that in case anybody wants to read the, the scripts I write in case you're curious about the notes. So yeah. Very my cool. notes will be a mess. <laughs> <laughs> I can even read mine. what I have. <laughs> well, mine's are mine's in. I can Google barely Docs. read mine half the time. Mine's in Google Docs, and I just copy and paste it right in, and 
I drop them every Sunday morning. So if you want to read along Sunday while we do this too, you can do that with mine. So it's up to you. So So you get a little preview of what you're going to say then. eh? Yeah, a little bit. I mean, if you guys had notes, you could send them to me and I could copy them into mine and we could have the whole script there too. But then the money be coming to me. So, you know, you guys <laughs> forget it, man. Right. Right. <laughs> but anyway, it's not. Just, just, nobody wants to read my garbage. Yeah, mine's me, all mine hand scrub, scrawled on notebook paper. Well, I type mine in, in, into a uh, note, notepad or notebook and then. Yeah. I mean, I've been Save self-published it. for years, and nobody wants to read my But I find myself, right? like, sometimes changing my wording around as we do the podcast, so mine would never be accurate. Well, mine's... And sometimes I change the scores around. <laughs> yeah, well, it's not verbatim. I don't change my stuff to match. Whatever's there is there. If I change it here is what you get. I got you. Just gives you an idea of what, what I'm thinking, in case you're curious. But an Easter egg. If you wind up changing right, on right. the fly, you get to see original thoughts there, too. <laughs> That's awesome. We'll see how it goes. I don't know if I want to... Uh, how long I'll keep doing it? I don't know. We'll see. Just something, do. something, something to tinker on. Well, heck yeah! You know. All right, boys, let's wrap this thing up for Audible Ecstasy Podcast. This is Jimmy. This is Chris. This is it. Mean, mean,